Hello and welcome to episode 231 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, joined by Bryson Poza. We don't have Jacob here with us today, but it's a series that kind of goes as expected, I think. It's a two-game set against the Philadelphia Phillies. The Blue Jays win a wild one in game one, 18-11, and then today doesn't go quite as planned. They have the lead 3-0 in what was a pitcher's matchup for the first seven innings. They blow the 3-0 lead. Jordan Romano is on the mound when he gives up some inherited runs, and then in extras, it falls apart for the Blue Jays. Bryson, all things considered, with today's game going south, how are you? Doing good, and I think you summed it up perfectly with your prediction. I believe you predicted a split, so... Let me just say, it was a bizarre series because, like, you talk about it from game one with, like, the high-scoring uh, baseball. And, of course, on top of that, defensively from both teams, it was also kind of very below average. So you had a lot of that going on. Uh, I think the Phillies had three errors. And you had today where, of course, you mentioned that the Jays lose the lead late. And it was noted on the, the broadcast as well, besides Kevin Godson, obviously, who was lights out. But it felt like a lot of the pitchers, I guess, on both teams, and it was highlighted, of course, when the Jays were pitching, just had trouble out of the bullpen in terms of gripping the ball or not. So overall, a weird couple days, but I think you can come out of Philly fine with the split and you head off to Tampa for another important series against the Rays this weekend. Yeah, I was going to ask you what your takeaways were because obviously you predicted taking two of two and you look at kind of the surrounding atmosphere that the Blue Jays enter this series in. They're obviously hot from a good stretch against the Orioles, from a good stretch against the Tampa Bay Rays. And the Phillies are the polar opposite of that. They just got swept over the weekend by the Atlanta Braves. So I'm curious what your takeaways are if you're disappointed by the results, if you're, I know we talked about this last week, got some slack, if you're worried about Jordan Romano after his second consecutive Easy. rough outing out of the bullpen. Um, what are some of your takeaways from this short two-game set, if there can be any, because Again, it's only two games, and it's baseball. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Yeah, let me just, first of all, that Jordan Romano center, I, I think it got a little bit out of hand. I'm sorry, well, okay? In what for, way? For those who in what way? Like, I just think we got a little too much heat for that. Okay. Than, like, in terms of, like, what we got. You know, I, I think it's just something that shouldn't have been taken so I, literal I will from say, certain people. But for the record, like, yes, our episode title name was provocative, but if you listen to the episode... We all shut down the notion that we should be worried about Jordan Romano within the first five minutes. So I'll just put that out there as well. And if anyone listening doesn't know what we're talking about, check out our Instagram, Section138Pod, for some uh, some interesting comments about the last episode. <laughs> well, I'll, probably half of those people didn't even listen to it and just immediately judged it and went boom, 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 like you said. But of course, I guess we can move past that. But you asked me earlier about, uh, or right before actually, if I was disappointed. I think... I think in a way I am, but at the same time, it's just something that as much as you can, I guess, take note of what happened tonight, of course, in game two, of how they lost that 3 nothing lead, it's still something, I guess, similar to last Sunday, um, where, again, it happened, but at the same time, because of how well this team's played, you know, I don't want to say you can afford to get away with it, it's just, again, it's something where... I don't think you're going to completely go crazy about as much as it was disappointing because, of course, it was it was there for the Jays. It was there for the taking because we saw what happened with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the eighth inning when he hit that three-run home run. And conveniently, the inning right after is when things go uh, south for the team. And, of course, that I think was probably the most frustrating part is that this happened right after the Jays took that 3 nothing lead. And there was a lot of, you know... 
as much as the Phillies did get to Jimmy Garcia a lot, and I mentioned it in terms of um, struggling from, I guess, all relievers throughout this game that it felt like, there was a lot of weak contact as well from the Phillies. So perhaps some bad luck was involved with that. Of course, you don't want to label all of it on bad luck. And I think that's just another reason why it was definitely frustrating for me because of the fact that you had it for the taking. But at the same time, you look at the standings, and this is something that, of course, this late in the season, this is a regular in terms of what we're going to look at every single time. We know that the Tampa Bay Rays lost again tonight to the Houston Astros. Uh, That helps in terms of where things stand. They didn't gain any ground in the Jays. However, the Jays could have went up. uh, I think it would have been three games on the Rays, and we're still waiting results from the Seattle Mariners, who did lose a game to the Oakland A's, of course, last night on Tuesday. So that's something that you're fine with as well. You're getting some help, at least in the out-of-town scoreboard, but at the same time, you're not just relying on that help. You're still playing good baseball as much as tonight slipped away from you. And then you go back to the night before when you put up 18 runs. It was just a complete abomination from the offense from the start a three-run first inning and basically every inning except for the fourth inning is when they put runs on the board so there was that in terms of just a messy game all around defensively from both teams that we I mentioned at the uh, the top of the episode and I think another key takeaway from tonight um, in game two was just the fact of Kevin Gosman being dominant because of course we know he comes off the last start where he allows I think it was about five earned runs I believe that's what it was uh, in his last start around or at least it was a start around four or five earned runs just in terms of not being that sharp over the course of his last few outings if you want to even kind of go back even prior to that. So you look at tonight, he was dominant through six innings, strikes out eight, walks two, no runs. I think you loved what you saw from him there. And then um, I just, it's just something for me, of course, in a game where it got away from you late, I think that's obviously a positive takeaway because of how good Kevin Gosman looked. And uh, at the same time, they lose tonight's game. Of course, you're a little disappointed, but at the same time, what I said at the beginning, I'm not going to go crazy about it just because of the fact of where things currently are. And that's no excuse to take your pedal or your foot off the pedal. It's just something that I think you can have a short memory with and you can move on quickly and forget about it. Yeah, for sure. And just a quick note on Gosman. He has quickly become my favorite guy to look at the stats just because his stats this season are pretty wild. These are only accurate as of five days ago, but there's an article in fan graphs, I would recommend everyone goes read. It's called Fip or Fop, Flop, Why Kevin Gosman Isn't Part of the AL Cy Young Conversation. It's basically looking at why is Kevin Gosman's ERA so terrible? Well, terrible, you know, being a generality to be made here. Obviously, 3.45 entering today's game. Not all that bad in the grand scheme of things. But his ERA is not great, but all of his other numbers are phenomenal. And my favorite number from all of this is the fact that If this season ended today, or if the season ended five days ago when these stats were accurate, Kevin Gosman would have the highest single-season BABIP of any qualified pitcher in the modern era since 1901. That's before ERA, or earned runs, became an official stat. That's mind-boggling, and that just kind of puts into perspective how unlucky Kevin Gosman has gotten. So I think what we're talking about Kevin Gosman, that's one of my new favorite things to bring up is that he's been very unlucky, not just very unlucky, historically unlucky when it comes to the batting average on balls in play for qualified pitchers since 1901. And the numbers reflect that, you know, you look at his strikeout numbers, you look at his walk numbers, you look at his FIP, his FIP is right now, or at least entering today was the highest of any pitcher in the American League. He leads the American League 
in FIP, and it's 2.41, which is a far cry from the 3.45 ERA. But um, I think when we look at Kevin Gosman and when we talk about, you know, who should start in the wild card series, I know we have differing opinions about these, but just looking at his ERA is not reflective of what he has done this season as a pitcher because ERA can be a little bit misleading and it certainly is in this case. Um, and I just think that's fascinating to look at the problem in that way and see he has been a lot better than the numbers on the face of it may indicate. And I think that's pretty exciting and also just pretty cool from a historical aspect. And I mean, you look at today's start, six innings, five hits, two walks, eight strikeouts and no earned runs, no runs at all. And that's just a slice of what Kevin Gosman has done this season. And, you know, you hope the luck bounces the other way a little bit and he regresses to the mean in terms of um, BABIP and ERA and that sort of thing. But just wanted to put that out there because he has been phenomenal this season, whether or not his ERA reflects it. Absolutely. And this has been a pretty much a topic, I want to say maybe – Something going back really all the way to uh, to April, and, and then of course throughout the year, as it's been consistent, which is even more bizarre because of how it just seems like how rare that is in terms of the bad luck. He's probably turned into, if not the most unlucky pitcher in this league. And of course, you were talking about it in terms of the batting average. Um, it just it just seems like it's at that point right now where no matter what he does, certain starts, of course, not every start, and even the starts where he gives up five run runs or if he gives up multiple runs. A lot of that bad luck is still factored into that start, which is even crazier because it just shows truly how bad luck that is. And of course, you talked about uh, his FIP as well being as where it is compared to his ERA and of course uh, compared to the batting average like you were talking about. And it's just crazy to think that that's actually possible. And I don't know if, yeah, I just don't know how much you can really replicate that um, ever again. I don't know even if you tried, you could. Like, it's just bizarre from what you're seeing from him. And a lot of it was. I believe early on, of course, it was talked about. And as the year has gone on, I don't know if this was something through the managerial change or this is something where the Jays kind of just, you know, realized it wasn't working as much as they thought it would have been. And then they kind of turned away from it slowly and slowly. It's just shifting in general. I mean, they still shift. Of course they do. And I believe they're still top of the league in shifting. But they don't shift nearly as much as they did at the beginning of the year, especially against, I believe it's right-handed hitters, where that's just not the case in terms of shifting every single time. I believe it was over 70% in April from what I looked at, and then as the year has gone on, it has slowly gone down. And Kevin Gosman was a key topic in terms of talking about the shift because of the fact of it just felt like every time the Jays shifted when he was starting, it really wasn't working. And then, of course, there was a whole topic of him tipping his pitches, and then there was just you know, a few things here and there, but of course the shifting, which is out of his control, uh, because of course this is a defensive alignment that the Jays are going against or going with. Um, there's so much he can do when he's giving up weak ground balls through second base when nobody's there, or you understand pretty much what I'm saying. And as I have the numbers right in front of me, it was 74% in April and each month it's gotten pretty much lower and lower, especially since June of July, when it went in July to 30%. And then in August, it's at 32.4%. And currently where we are in September and, of course, a little bit of October, it's only at 15%. So you look at April from 74 to 15% now, you can see how big of a difference that is. And, of course, uh, Kevin Gosman was a guy where the Jays would shift a lot uh, against righties when he was pitching. And it just it was pretty much something that you saw on a regular 
you know, occasion. And ever since it was kind of addressed and it kind of was noticed through, I guess, a ton of people, of course, within the organization, of course, us as well, it just seems to have helped a little bit. But at the same time, even when the shifting has gone down, there are still bad luck moments that he has, which is even more bizarre. And that's why when you look back on it, even with the bad luck that he's had, even with an ERA, you know, in the mid threes, which is likely what he'll finish with at this point, it's just crazy because that is still a solid ERA, of course. But when you think about it in terms of the unluckiness, in terms of uh, the FIP, the ERA probably should have been a lot lower than what it was at, and that's crazy to assume. Or it just, but it just feels like the way this season's gone for him and all the occasions that's happened, it's probably what would have happened in terms of that, in terms of an ERA being below uh, three because of how unlucky he's been. And then when you look at it, you got two starters with Manoa and Gosman who have sub three ERAs. You know, if you understand what I'm trying to say, and you know, those are your two horses. Those are your two guys that you're going to be throwing out in a playoff series. Sorry, Jacob, especially in a wild card series in game one or two, no matter what the order is. One of the two of those guys will be pitching for sure. And you know, credit to Kevin Gosman. I think it's obviously going to be the most unlucky season for his career. And again, in terms of modern history, I don't think there's been many other pitchers who have suffered as much bad luck as he has. Yeah, and I definitely think the shift is. A big part of it and just to throw it back to you know a conversation that we had earlier this year um we were discussing I don't know if it was April May June around that time first half of the season we were discussing whether the Blue Jays were over shifting whether they shifted too much compared to other teams and um what we kind of decided at that point whether right or wrong was that the Blue Jays were zigging while other teams were zagging they are trying to do something different because their shift rates are astronomically higher than any other team. Um, and we couldn't decide whether there was a good thing or bad thing on the field, but either way, they were trying something unique and we would see whether it panned out. And the fact that they have decreased their shifting rates to be largely in line with a lot of other teams, I think that probably indicates that what they were experimenting with, what the data was telling them at the start of the season didn't work out wasn't a great solution, did not work on the baseball field. So, And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you're going to try things. You're going to be wrong about things. You might as well correct in the middle of the season. But it's interesting to see, I think, look at the numbers and see how much it has impacted Gosman. Just, you know, the eye test. You watch him. There's, at least earlier in the year, tons of singles, you know, just poked through the other side because the Blue Jays are shifting with three guys on the right side of the infield or three guys on the left side of the infield. And um, I think you see that a lot with Kevin Gosman, so it's not surprising, but um, it's interesting to see how the Blue Jays' approach to shifting and defense has changed, and obviously it's going to change next year again with the shift being somewhat eliminated. You know, you can still employ some sorts of defensive shifts, but it's going to be two guys on both sides of the diamond, and all infielders have to have their feet on the infield. Um, just as an aside, I've seen one interesting line of thought that, Yes, this bans the four-man outfield, and yes, that's this gets rid of somewhat extreme infield shifts, but what this doesn't do is get rid of the two-man outfield. And we don't see this a lot, but teams under these rules are still allowed to take one of their outfielders and move them to the infield if they want, if it serves their purposes and is advantageous to them in that situation. So maybe next year, next offseason, we'll see some of these rules to eliminate the two-man shift in the outfield, um, I don't know. Who knows? We're trying to predict something that we have no idea what we're talking about a year out. But um, the rule changes in Major League Baseball, we haven't really talked about those yet. And those are exciting, of course. 
Um, speaking of rule changes, there's a big rule change going on right now in Canada, and it is going to impact the Blue Jays if they have any postseason games at home. Um, we know that for the longest time, for the entirety of this season, uh, players entering Canada must be vaccinated or else they are subject to, I don't know if it's 14-day quarantine or just not allowed into the country at all. I forget the details. Bottom line, for Major League Baseball players, if you aren't vaccinated, you can't play in Canada. And that's the way it worked for the most of the season. Um, we have learned now that Canada, the federal government, is rolling back these restrictions. Um, I think it's September 30th or start of October is the date when these things are going to change. And obviously, this has huge ramifications for the Blue Jays. We've been talking all year about the potential of a playoff series in Toronto where a team star can't play. You know, back in the start of the season when Aaron Judge didn't say he was unvaccinated, but everyone could assume he was unvaccinated. Um, it was a conversation. What happens if you're playing Toronto in a playoff series and you're not vaccinated? You can't cross the border. Obviously, we know Aaron Judge has come to Toronto. Every single Yankee on the Major League roster, at least earlier this year, was fully vaccinated. But this is also becoming a conversation with, I think most prominently, the Seattle Mariners. Because it looks like right now, as things stand now, the Blue Jays have a good chance of hosting the Seattle Mariners in a three-game wildcard series. And we know from earlier this year that Robbie Ray, of course former Blue Jay, is unvaccinated. He did not travel with the Mariners to Toronto. Uh, he didn't miss a start. It just so lined up that he um, wasn't starting during that series, but it did work out that he did not travel with the team, and we all learned his vaccination status there. So that will was supposed to be a big factor heading into the wildcard series. It no longer looks like it will. It looks like if the Mariners are coming to Toronto, we know there's some unvaccinated uh, players on the Rays and their bullpen. If they're coming to Toronto for a playoff series, it's no longer a factor. So I'm interested in hearing from you, you know, what the impact of this is on the field. Like, is it a big deal? Should the Blue Jays be, or Blue Jay fans be frustrated um, at the rolling back of these restrictions? Like politics aside, obviously everyone's got their individual opinions about whether this vaccine mandate was right or not. And we've spoken on that previously, but um, Blue Jay fans, should they be upset? Like, is this going to actually move the needle in a playoff series. Well, like you said, there's lots of opinions on this, and we've had – it kind of dried off as the season went on because it's something that I think we all got used to, but this was a heavy conversation, especially at the beginning of the year. And I think what's funny about it is that the states are still keeping their rule in terms of you must be vaccinated. So, you know, for all the people who didn't understand – or, of course, I th throughout the year people probably did, but at first – it wasn't a known issue that the U.S. had the exact same rules, and it seems like they haven't made any announcements yet. So Canada is actually going to be first in terms of abolishing this mandate. And, you know, I'm not frustrated with it. I look at it. I kind of, you know, sarcastically laugh and say you couldn't have waited another month. Uh, basically, you know, you look at, I guess, in terms of other sports situations, they all had a full season of this mandate in place. The Jays basically do have a full season. But, of course, right when the postseason does start, 
um, this mandate somehow or literally just is going to disappear and that's going to disappear within the next 10 days actually uh, in terms of a mandate there won't be any more vaccination rules in terms of if you want to come into this country or even play games whatever the true rule was because i'm with you on that i can't even remember if there was some sort of quarantine rule for those who weren't vaccinated or whatnot but the important thing is is that that will no longer be a topic of conversation once the playoffs begin and for example you'd mention it robbie ray is going to be a guy who you know when the seattle mariners were in town this past may uh, he was a guy that did not make the trip, and this was also kind of something that we heard about even last offseason uh, in terms of speculation on that, if he was vaccinated or whatnot, and then it, you know, there was speculation that he wasn't. It turned out to be true in May. There was the same thing with Steven Matz, who was also a former pitcher on the Jays who did not come back as well. That was another kind of situation. You know, There's been lots of players as well for the Jays who you look at, and these are guys that they've failed to be able to pursue in terms of, um, I guess, free agents or trade targets. You look at Andrew Benatendi, that's a prime example, who was eventually traded to the Yankees. We know that they're coming here for one more series before the mandate goes away. So it'll be interesting to see if Benatendi did get vaccinated, I guess, quietly, or if this is something where he could just sit out for three days knowing that even if they do have to come back here later on in the year, it won't be an issue for him. Whip Merrifield's another name that comes to mind, somebody who quietly got vaccinated before the trade was made. But you go back to July when you saw the biggest, I guess, impact of this mandate on a team like the Kansas City Royals, who I believe had 10 unvaccinated players on their team. And of course, when you want to talk about teams that are in playoff contention, um, I think a name that comes to mind are the Philadelphia Phillies, who the Jays just played. We know that JT Realmuto was somebody who wasn't available. Uh, and it was either one of Aaron Nola or Zach Wheeler who wasn't available. I can't remember exactly who, but one of them well, also wasn't available when the Jays or when they came to Toronto back in July. We know the New York Mets are another team. If there's a potential World World Series coming into the year, their vaccination mandate was also low, or in terms of their, I guess, just the percentage of people who were because this that was also a heavy topic. You talk about the Aaron Judd situation, the Yankee situation. New York had the same mandate in terms of in New York City right before opening day was started, and that was quickly abolished right when the season started. So there was a lot of this talk early on in the year. Like I said, it dried up throughout the year. Now you can revisit it now because it's going to be going away. And part of me, I don't want to say I'm relieved, but I think it's going to be good knowing that if there is some sort of playoff series, if the Jays get by the wild card or whatever, there's just a deep playoff run in here you're not going to deal with any sort of trolls or any sort of asterisks in terms of, oh, this team wasn't allowed this guy, this team wasn't allowed that guy. I'm honestly fine with it. You're going to beat them properly. You're going to beat them the way that, I guess, other people are going to view as fair. Um, again, sarcastically, you wonder why they couldn't wait one more month. But at the end of the day, I think I'm actually fine with this, and it doesn't really... I guess, obviously ruin my hopes for a playoff push. It shouldn't ruin anyone's hopes for a playoff push. Again, this is something that you're going to have to deal with if you're going on the road. And of course, now you got to deal with this at home. This was the way, of course, it's, I guess, prior to this year, it's always been. And this is something where you can avoid that whole asterisk talk. I think that's something, honestly, that I'm looking forward to not talking about ever again, hopefully ever again, about that whole thing. Because it was just a complete false narrative, of course, from a lot of the American media, a lot of the American, I guess, just sports writers in general, everybody was basically making this an issue throughout the year. And while they were making it an issue, they were also getting the facts of it wrong. And I think that's what made it more frustrating too. So you're going to see guys that come into town throughout the playoffs. Again, if there's a playoff push here, who may not have made the trip earlier in the year when they were here earlier in the regular season. Again, a name like Robbie Ray. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. If he's going to get a playoff, um, or sorry, a 
a you know a video tribute in a playoff game. I don't know how they'd handle that. Um, with that, that'd be actually kind of interesting to see what they did in a playoff series with the Mariners. And of course, you're just going to see guys as well, like you said on the Rays, a couple bullpen guys who are now eligible to come in this country as of September 30th. And to me, it's fine. It shouldn't change any sort of plans to win a World Series. You're going to have to go through these guys. You're going to have to play the best players of, uh, available in October. And it shouldn't be an issue moving forward. But it's just funny. I guess the timing of it is definitely a little interesting. It definitely is. And I hadn't even really thought about the whole, you know, American conception, the way that American media has been thinking about this. And yeah, I guess that's an advantage to it. Like if the Blue Jays end up making a deep run into the playoffs, there's not going to be that asterisk of, oh, well, you have an extreme home field advantage because the other team you're playing is missing three players because of vaccination status like that is no longer in the conversation, which yeah, I guess is a positive. To be honest, I kind of enjoyed laughing at how stupid American media yeah. was that didn't understand these rules. It's kind of fun, if we're being honest. It is also infuriating, but it's kind of fun. Um, yeah, to be honest, I don't think this makes much of a difference. Like, I think the example of Robbie Ray is an outlier. Like, I think for most teams it doesn't make that much of a difference. Like when you think about the Tampa Bay Rays, they've been here how many times over the course of the season? And I really couldn't name who the players in their bullpen are that aren't available for a potential postseason series because pointing in case they're, they're not big names. They're not big players for the Rays. So I think, yes, if, if, if the situation presented itself where Robbie Ray is, set to start a game at the Rogers Center in the wild card series. Like, yeah, that's where this rule would actually make a concrete difference. But I think in most cases, it doesn't actually make that much of a difference. It doesn't make that much of an impact on the field in a series. So, um, yeah, that's where I stand on it. It's it's kind of entertaining to talk about. Kind of sad that it's over because we lose that entertainment of laughing at American media, but whatever, we'll make do. Um, we've been talking about the playoffs a lot. Obviously, they're coming up. I do want to say that postseason tickets are going on sale on Tuesday to the general public, 10 a.m. We're very excited for that. Um, I know we're still figuring out our ticket situation, but we're going to be certainly on Ticketmaster and getting those tickets right away because it's going to be a fun series um, if it is indeed played in Toronto and you just can't wait for the crowd. We know the whole Toronto Loud thing. And, you know, even listening to – we talk about American media and laughing at them, but you – tip your cap in the fact that they do recognize how much Blue Jay fans show up for games. You know, just listening to Talking Baseball, John Boy Media, um, I think everyone learned from the breakdown that John Boy did on the brawl with, or brawl in air quotes, but brawl with the Orioles a couple weeks back and Brian Baker that John Boy isn't a huge Jays fan, which is all right. He's a Yankees fan. It's kind of expected. But um, even so... On their podcast, they recognize if a series is in Toronto, it's going to be loud. And it's a huge home field event. So we're looking forward to that. Tickets going on sale on Tuesday. Um, I guess the other small thing to mention is that uh, the Jays are getting some injury help off the IL. And they're also having some guys who are going the other way, potentially. Alejandro Kirk, we know he was sitting on the bench for a couple of days with a hip injury or hip strain or whatever it was. He's back playing. He played couple of these games in Philly. Um, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is making progress. He is right now at the Player Development Complex in Florida, I believe. 
and he's on his way back, so hopefully he can get some regular season games under his belt before the postseason starts. Um, and then potentially going the other way, Santiago Espinal was pulled from today's game a little bit early. We hope it's nothing serious. Obviously, he helps the Blue Jays a lot. Maybe not so much as a f- talent piece at the forefront of their team, but certainly as a guy who is helping with depth and helping with um, that side of things. And then Anthony Bass, Bryce, and you pointed out there's been some speculation about his health, but John Schneider seemingly shut that down. That was something where it kind of flew under the radar for me in terms of the fact that they brought it up. It just you, you look at tonight's game on Wednesday, you go into the 10th inning. Of course, Adam Simber's been a guy that you've been relying on all year, and that's still going to be the case going forward. But just bizarre that Anthony Bass wasn't warming up in that situation. It was something where he last pitched last Friday, which is something also that I didn't really take to heart that much. And you think about it, and since that appearance on Friday, of course, we don't want to speculate, but he just he hasn't been seen warming up during a game since. So... It was mentioned on the telecast if something was up, uh, if some if they thought something was up, Dan Shulman pretty much asked Pat Tabler about it, and they both agreed that, I mean, something's got to be up, right? Like, there's no way you're keeping Anthony Bass on the bench for those amount of st- straight days in terms of, I guess, and if you look at tonight's game, who he would be well-rested for in a close game and extra innings that you just kind of leave on the bullpen available. So regardless of John Schneider's kind of just downplaying this, which he definitely could be, or if he's telling the truth, who knows? Uh, I'm definitely taking it with a grain of salt, though. I definitely want to see him back on the mound before you kind of say, okay, maybe he never really truly was injured. Maybe he's got something small going on. And I think, I mean, again, you don't want to speculate, but he hasn't been pitching since Friday. So that's something that we don't know the answer for, but it was something that was mentioned and kind of after it was brought up, you kind of wonder, you're like, yeah, you know, he hasn't been in since Friday. So that's something to keep an eye on. Of course, it shouldn't be too serious. You mentioned it with Espinal. He goes out of the game. And it was, you knew with him right away that something was wrong because of the situation where Kevin Biggio comes on a pinch hit for him when a lefty's on the mound. And right away, the move didn't make sense. And of course, the only thing that you're thinking of, the only explanation is Espinal did something. And of course, that turned out to be true. Probably on the precaution side, the Jays are very precautious or just cautious with their players, uh, of course, who who wouldn't be in this type of, or I guess at this time of the year, as much as you need to win as many games as you can. So that was another kind of red flag that happened today. Hopefully he's okay, and hopefully you see him at some point on the weekend in Tampa. And, of course, another guy, like you mentioned, who's at the player uh, co- development complex in Florida who can just simply meet the Jays at Tropicana Field is Lourdes Gurriel Jr. It seems like he has been doing everything except for hit or sorry except for running and of course that's the main issue with somebody with the hamstring issue in terms of a guy who's kind of taking fly balls who's hitting but at the same time still hasn't taken that next step in base running so hopefully he had a good couple days down in Florida and I guess at any point he's eligible to come off the IL he's been eligible since this past Sunday to come off the IL so there's a chance you see him at some point this weekend and of course there's a chance that this might go into the next homestand as well and that's another guy where as much as you want him in the lineup, I think that when he comes back, he's got to come back at some sort of capacity where he can, you know, it just, it's playable. And right now it, it doesn't feel like it's playable right now. Of course, the hamstring's always tough to move if it's not going well at all. So you want to make sure he's at some sort of level where he can push through the rest of the way. And it just seems like we, he hasn't gotten to that point just yet, but it does feel like there's some progress on that. Another player 
where it was kind of, or you're just kind of learning some details, is when uh, I think it was Hazel May who tweeted it, and she basically spoke to Teoscar Hernandez, who has been obviously somebody who's been injured a few times this year, and he also confirmed that despite the foot injury we know about, despite the oblique that we know about back in April, this is also a season where he's been dealing with a lot behind the scenes in terms of with his body. And he pretty much confirmed that without going into detail. And you look at the numbers, it has been the prettiest year for Teoscar Hernandez. And I think it makes sense to know that he's been dealing with stuff, of course, with his body behind the scenes. That's another guy who's been known to be banged up this year. And of course you can throw in George Springer with that, with the elbows. We know about that, but I thought that was interesting too, knowing or finding out about Hernandez. And that kind of came in, a span of the last two days with all these injuries we spoke about, minus Springer, who's been dealing with that elbow thing basically for, I guess, half the year now, their second half of the year. So it's just something that, you know, it's the end of the year. Everyone knows that people are going to be banged up at this point of the year, and you're just hoping that they can come back and be at a capacity to be able to play the rest of the way. You want Gurriel to be ready to go. Hopefully everything's okay with Anthony Bass. Hopefully Santiago Espinal is good to go at some point this weekend. And uh, I think that's pretty much all you can ask for, and that's probably the best-case scenario. Four games against the Tampa Bay Rays. What's your prediction? Well, I see that as much as Jacob wasn't able to join us, you gave him a text and pretty much asked for his prediction. And I think I got to roll with what he predicted on that. And I know you called it boring. It's so boring. A split. It is boring. But if you think about it, a split this weekend – Honestly, isn't too bad of a thing if you're the Jays right now, knowing that you're a couple games up. I'd love to come out of Tampa Bay on Sunday night still being two games up on them. I think that's really good in terms of a worst-case scenario. You got Barrios going Thursday. I think Friday and Saturday are still TBD, but it appears that Alec Manoa is going to get one of those days. I think Mitch White, who's also rejoined the team, is going to get one of those days. I don't think Sunday's been announced yet either, so we don't really know too much about that. Of course, Shane McClanahan was somebody supposed to go on Sunday, but he left his last start with a shoulder injury. So that's also a big loss for the Rays. So I will say 204, Tropicana Field, as much as the Jays have played decent against the Rays this year, it's still Tropicana Field. And I'm fine with the split, worst case scenario. It's so boring, though. It's it's the easy way out. It is. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Well, after all that criticism, whether I believe it or not, I got to go 3-1 Jays. Um like, yeah, I, I would be happy with a split. It's good enough. You're at Tropicana Field. At this point, I know the Blue Jays are still, like, full speed ahead looking for that first wild card spot. But in your back of your mind, you got to kind of start to be thinking about lining up your rotation and getting guys rest. And I don't want to count oh, no. chickens before they get hatched. <laughs> but it's something that has to become a consideration over these final few weeks. So... Yeah, I, I mean, I'm happy with two of two. I'm going to go three of three and one, though, after I ripped on you guys for being so boring. But just to give some context with the playoff picture as we approach the final two weeks of the season, um, the Blue Jays right now two games up for the wildcard spot. Seattle and Tampa Bay right now tied. Things may change as the final games of today shake out. It's 11.53 p.m. on Wednesday. But Baltimore is sink stand now. Six and a half back of the Jays. And when you think, I, I think there's about 15 games left in the season. Um, Baltimore has to win seven more games than the Blue Jays over 15 games to for, for the Blue Jays to lose a playoff spot. And that's pretty impossible when you break it down. Like if that's you impossible. Say, it has to yeah, be. Yeah, if you say, like, let's go, 
I don't know, in a hypothetical situation, the Orioles go nine and six in their final 15 games. That means the Blue Jays would have to go, what, two and 13 for the Orioles? Yeah, to and then pass they got to, yeah. Like, the, yeah, that's about right. That's not going to happen. So, also, fan graphs, it's official 99.9% for the Jays to make the playoffs as of this morning. No, but we're we're pretty close to certain. That is pretty much. What's the uh, World Series at? What odds at? Do you know? World Series, I haven't seen. I just saw the playoffs are at 99. I imagine last time I saw them, it was at 7.1, I think. So I imagine it's probably gone up a little bit since postseason odds have gone up. But, anyways, um, I'll give you a minute. We'll stall for a minute as you look them up. But, uh, bottom line, it's exciting. The Blue Jays are approaching the playoffs, they're getting into a situation where they have a really good shot of doing some damage, and you just hope, we talked about this last episode, but you hope they are hosting that playoff series. Uh, Bryson, have we stalled long enough? 7.2% now, okay. So it's gone up 0.1% since the last time I checked, but we'll take it. It's uh, it's still 7% odds of winning the World Series. What's that? That's probably like 1 in 12, 1 in 14 odds of winning the World Series. We'll take that. It's better than a lot of years for the Jays. Um, okay. As always, you can support our podcast by going to patreon.com slash section138pod. You can check us out on social media at section138pod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, uh, where we always like hearing your feedback, good or bad, as it was for the Jordan Romano episode last time out. Unnecessary. (laughs) You can give us a rating and review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever you listen, and you can subscribe to our YouTube account, um, which we post all our episodes, uh, video version there. So you can watch those if you prefer to consume podcasts that way. Um, four games against Tampa Bay, the season wrapping up, exciting times ahead. We'll catch you next time.